Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, a different woman shares her story, often in a live setting, with the bottom line being that God is good. Today's storyteller is one of our very own team members, Dawn, and we actually recorded this back last fall in 2017. But Dawn shared about how she struggled with feelings of abandonment and fear most of her life, and she held tight to her story until she found the love of her Heavenly Father. She would now tell you that her heart is open, and she is a huge advocate for vulnerability and storytelling. As you've probably heard me share before, Dawn is the founder and producer of the Second Stories books. You'll actually get to hear in her story how this whole idea came to be and how she took those steps of faith to make the vision a reality. We'll give you some information at the end of the episode as well on how you can order your own copies of the Second Stories books. And finally, I can't help but add that Dawn is incredibly talented. She's a graphic designer. Uh, she designed our Storytellers Live logo. She has built and designed our website. And she also designs all of the scripture cards that we print for our local gatherings. And then we also post a PDF form of those online because we would love for you, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, for you to have one as well. Uh, but without further ado, here is Dawn. Um, well, this is my greatest fear sitting in this chair right here. So <laughs> drop the mic. I'm out. <laughs> um, but seriously, I, um, anybody that knows me, I've got some friends here and they know that my heart is unity. And so all of us being in this room, people from Mountain Brook, Vestavia, Homewood and other areas all together in one room just really brings me great joy because we all know that there's those invisible, invisible boundaries in our neighborhoods and, um, I just know in heaven we'll all be together holding hands, and it just makes me happy. So um, first of all, I just want to open with that and um, just want to tell you I'm not a professional speaker. This is only my second time to speak in a group like this, so y'all just bear with me and give me grace. But um, God has me here for a reason. So I want to just start with um, a little bit about my background. I was brought into this world. My mother had a two-year-old little girl. And she was pregnant, and she went into labor um, when she was seven months, seven and a half months pregnant. And there was a blizzard that day back in 1977. That shows my age. But they put chains on the tires and got her to the hospital, and um, they told her that she was having twins. And so I was a surprise twin. So she went into the hospital thinking she was having a boy and came home with twins. So um, I think I I started throwing people for a loop at the very beginning. (laughs) No one quite understood what to do with me. So um, my parents were very young, and they had three kids under three, and God bless them. Um, They, you know, their marriage wasn't, they were having issues before I was born, but I think having the the three kids at such young ages really just took them for a toll. They weren't mature to handle uh, mature enough to handle it. My father left when we were one, so my mother had three kids under three and was trying to do just do the best she could. Um, she kept us in church. Um, you know, our understanding of church growing up was that 
we were um, running away from hell, <laughs> that we weren't running towards God. My main goal was to not go to hell. But as we know, we all sin, and so I thought I was on the straight path to hell. <laughs> you know, that's, um, I didn't know much about grace, and I feel like grace wasn't really taught in that generation. But um, I was born uh, introverted and a little extroverted, but it's like when I get in crowds like this, it'll take me a couple days to recover. But um, I'm a big feeler. Even as a child, I could walk in a room and feel tension. My mother said I cried all the time, and I think that probably had a lot to do with me not knowing what to do with other people's feelings. There was, you know, my mother remarried. I think just the, any tension in my life always I put it in my back pocket or in my backpack and carried it around with me. So um, I went through my childhood, you know, living kind of legalistically. I was baptized at age 11 in the Baptist church. Um, at age 16, I rebelled and went to the Episcopal church. <laughs> and my mother just prayed for me. I joined EYC, and um, I loved it. I was just doing the next thing, you know, to check off my list to stay um, a good girl. I had a small group um, when I was young as well. And I feel like that gave me some of my foundation, people speaking into me at a very young age. But I went into high school and had a really good group of uh, friends that I know God put around me and surrounded me. Um, I was very confident. I was a cheerleader. Um, I put all my, put everything into being a cheerleader. I, I feel so sorry for my family. I mean, I walk through the house doing cheers all day, every day. You know? <laughs> Cheering was my idol for sure. But um, thank goodness for just stability and to have that and that accountability and to have good grades and um to get up and do the next best thing. But I uh, um, went into college, and our family didn't have much money, and, you know, I kind of just hid that in high school, and just we did the best we could. I never could go to, go to camps and do things like that, but it, I just never faced that. So when I went to college, you know, I, I went on student loans and was paying my own college and was having to work through college, and I couldn't afford a sorority. I went to Alabama, and... I immediately knew when I started that I was different, that I wasn't in the sorority and that I was going to have to compensate somehow to be known and to be seen. And so while all the girls were at Rush Workshop, um, I was at Galette's, you know, the the bar in Tuscaloosa, the only girl, because all of my other friends were at Rush Workshop. So, I mean, gosh, that was really fun, you know. um, I had, a, you know... A very dear roommate who was my roommate, who was my best friend through high school, who's carried me through life, and she was very stable. She didn't drink and she didn't smoke, and I was smoking cigarettes in Tutwiler, poor thing, in our dorm room, y'all. And she still loved me and never said a word to me. I mean, I feel like she's such a picture of grace, you know. But um, in college, I just started really feeling isolated and feeling anxiety, and I started dabbling in bad things. I started putting my um, faith in guys. And I feel like those bad decisions just carried me to the next bad decision. Started dabbling in um, doing drugs and drinking a lot of alcohol and going on widespread panic tour. And <laughs> those were fun days, you know. I mean, I saw so many, uh, so many areas of the United States for a widespread panic, you know. It's, I don't know how I did it because I had no money. I mean, we would literally eat beanie weenies, but somehow we made it to widespread panic, you know. <laughs> I would eat boiled eggs uh, for lunch and dinner with my roommates so that we could go out, 
you know. <laughs> it's like, we're the priorities, you know. <laughs> but um, somehow I squeaked through college. I was I made good grades in high school, but in college I really squeaked by. Um, I even took a um, class in public speaking at my community college in Demopolis one summer with a bunch of my friends and made a C minus, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I met my husband my junior year of college, and that was during my wild days, and he was in his wild state, too. Um, and we were having a good old time. And then we ended up dating for five years. We got married, and marriage was hard. You know, it was like we've got all, we didn't have as many responsibilities, but then we had a house payment. We were both working. I was working at Southern Progress. He's an accountant. And he started doing audits, and he would leave on Monday and come back on Friday. I started feeling very lonely. We lived in Crestwood. I didn't have community. And um, we just started kind of moving away from each other. And it was a really hard time in my life. Then we had my daughter, because, you know, having a baby when you're in a hard marriage is always going to fix things right. (laughs) So we had Lily, and I suffered bad postpartum. But I didn't really tell anybody. I was just a hot mess all the time, um, except for him, who I just lashed out on all the time. I was sleep-deprived and um, didn't know what I was doing. And work was – I loved my work. I worked at Southern Progress, and it was just – I, I loved the people there. But it was hard balancing all that when he was out of town. And every time he would pull out of the driveway, my daughter would get hand, foot, mouth, or throw up, or I would throw up. or You know, it was like every time he left on Monday, it was like that's when it hit, you know. So um, we – I finally re- – we realized that we needed community. So we started looking. We looked in Vestavia, and we looked in Homewood, and a house came open in Homewood, and we – put a contract on it and I remember going to the We Love Homewood Day Parade before we moved there and I remember standing in the streets during the parade and I just started crying he's like what's wrong with you you know and I was like this is community you know like I just knew I needed people um so we moved to Homewood and I had Perry my youngest who's a spitfire and um I went into postpartum depression with her as well but there again when we moved into Homewood, I would look around and see all the families, and everybody seemed so perfect, and everybody seemed so buttoned up. And I started this fear of, I have postpartum. What if they find out about me? What if they find out I went on Westbrook Penny Tour? <laughs> what if they found out that I smoked pot and What if they, you know, what if they found out these things about me? You know, all these things are just this anxiety. Y'all know how anxiety is. It's like one thought carries on to the next and the next and the next, and then it just becomes your lifestyle. But um, so as I was dealing with that postpartum, I mean, I remember picking up Lily from school with sunglasses on, tears coming down my face, but I was just pretending that everything was fine. Hey, everybody, you know, I was hurting, but never would open up. And I was running with a friend and she said, you need to, you know, I'm doing this small group. It's so awesome. Everybody's sharing. And I was like, not sharing, you know, and she's like, kept talking about it and kept talking about it. And I was like, I'm not sharing my story. Like, you know, I will never release that. It's so ironic because that was my fear was vulnerability of letting other people in and knowing who I truly am and the mistakes that I had made. Um, I always thought that I had to put on this show of perfection um, in order to get me through life. So I started a Church of the Highlands life group. A friend came to my door and said, please come with me to this. And I was like, no. And she literally drugged me tooth and nail. And I told myself I was going for her but God had other plans he knew I was going 
you know, to fix my heart. And during that season, Suzanne Jones, I don't know if y'all know, um, it used to be Holland Strinkets, now it's Holland Birch, but she wanted me to help her host Idol Addiction. Has anybody in here done Idol Addiction? That's a really good study. But um, I started both of those, but I told Suzanne I would host it in my home, but I wasn't going to pray out loud. And I I was really kind of annoyed by worship music. (laughs) I mean, seriously, y'all. I thought I was way too cool for worship music, you know. And um, a friend would give me a CD, and I'd be like, this is weird, you know. And then, like, when we first started doing the Bible studies, you know, people would come and pray out loud, and I was just like, at first, it was just... I was t- terrified because I was like, what if I have to pray out loud? What if they're going to ask me a question? What if they're going to ask me about my past? Or, you know, it was just like all these fears. But then I started realizing that as these people were praying, they were really speaking into me. And I, it was kind of real, yeah, it was almost like, hmm, there's something here, you know. Um, I started learning about forgiveness. I started working through um, really, truly forgiving my father for leaving us when I was a child. I, recently came to revelation that a lot of those mistakes I was making through my college years and I was pointing all those to my dad. I was like, I'm doing this because of my dad. I'm doing this because he wasn't there for me. Well, I came to the realization, no, Dawn, like I made those choices. You know, like God has been working me through grace of um giving him grace like where would I have been if I was in his shoes and now I'm able to like completely love him for who he is and I mean God just totally gave me that gift through working through all this in these small groups um started learning about codependency and how I really relied on people pleasing to get me through life and that's something I still struggle with every single day um but I started learning about words of life and how speaking encouraging words into friends really opens them up for so much more. And I just try to make that my life mantra is to speak words of encouragement, even if people fire, you know, hurtful things towards me, like just put up your hands and speak life into them. And it's amazing what that can do with your relationships, even your hardest relationships. But um, anyway, I started learning how to heal memories of my past and issues in my present. And I remember um, reading this verse during that season, John 1, 2, 3, 4, and I just consider it my life verse. But consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face various trials because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I just t- truly started realizing that the hard things in my life were really trying to make me stronger for his kingdom and um, to make me step out of myself and to come to the end of myself for his kingdom. Um, I hit rock bottom during that season. I was um, in my bathroom. I wanted to take a bath, but our water in our house in Homewood would not fill the tub with hot water. (laughs) And I just wanted a bath, and I was, like, throwing, like, literally a temper tantrum in my bathroom. And my husband was going from the kitchen with a pitcher and, like, pouring it into the bath. (laughs) Because we had it in the other room, but not in the bathtub. Like, blessing. But um, I remember just sitting there that night in my floor and that is really where I released and said I can't do this on my own I need you to come in and I need you to work through me and so it was literally in my bathroom floor even though I checked the boxes when I was 11 I had done the right things I'd been in a small you know these small groups and I was just doing the right thing but until that I came to the end of myself did I truly accept him and my life completely changed from that point forward um 
heaviness started lifting from me after that point. Um, I can't say it was easy because as a lot of you know, when you really do accept Christ in your heart, it seems like things start coming against you, but you just have to push through those. Um, uh, heart, uh, holes that were in my heart started being filled and I started feeling like I had a spiritual toolbox with me to combat those things that were coming against me. And that was all a that was truly about me waking up every morning and saying, here I am, you know, you work through me. I can't do this on my own. And, um, I started hearing God speaking to me about different things. And I remember being on a run one morning and, um, let me back up for a second. During my life group, there was this really pretty, um, Indian girl that would come to life group and she would come in five minutes after it started and she would leave five minutes after, um, before it ended. And I would always like look at her and think, hmm, I wonder what her story is. I wonder what's going on with her, you know. And I think she was just here, but she had to leave to go to a meeting. But um, I just wanted to get to know her and know what was going on with her. I could tell she was battling some things. So um, one day I'm on a run by myself. I was training for a half marathon. That's my one and only half marathon. Check, done, not doing it again. <laughs> had a very traumatic experience, but um, I won't tell you the details. But... <laughs> um, So I was running, and I heard God speak in my head that he wanted me to work with special needs people. I'm a graphic designer. I'm an introvert. I'm not a teacher. Why am I supposed to work with special needs people, you know? And um, I didn't understand it. I totally didn't understand it. So the the next day I went to Sunday school, and I was – my husband and I were teaching Sunday school, and in walks a little girl who's blind. And the parents just handed her to me. And – I feel like every other child in the room disappeared. And I just told my husband to take care of the other kids. And I just focused on her. And as I was sitting there with her, I said, children, I'm supposed to work with special needs children. And um, I, but that was a fear of mine, you know. And so I, pressed, I prayed that day, and God spoke to me, the Bell Center. And I called the Bell Center the next morning, and that they told me they needed some volunteers and that they would they put me in training immediately. And um, I showed up, and I didn't, I didn't even know about the service guild. So I'm sure the people were like, why are you here? You know, like. <laughs> but um, uh, they matched me with a severely autistic little boy, and I really didn't know what I was doing. And I was terrified. But um, I started looking forward to those Wednesday mornings and being with, you know, that little boy. But then they had an opening that opened up on a Friday, which was better with my schedule. So I went in on that Friday and they paired me with a little girl named Eva who had just been diagnosed with Williams syndrome and we bonded so well you know and I was like yes this is this is where I'm supposed to be and so in walks her mom to pick her up and it was the girl from my bubble study the Indian girl that had been sitting there that we never were able to meet and God had put her on my heart at that time but if I would not have listened to him and faced those fears I never would have had a relationship and she sends me a text every single morning at 6 a.m. and encourages me. And we talk almost every single day. And um, we have built just this incredible friendship. But I'm just so grateful that I really did walk through that fear um, to hear what he had for me. I've never been back to the Bell Center. I think that was really just, it was, we see it as God's work that he wanted Sheetal and I to be friends. And we are here to encourage each other. And so I think that's just a sweet picture of really facing your fears. Um, so soon after that, I was continuing um, 
my graphic design business. I quit working full time and started doing freelance. And a friend, Suzanne, who I mentioned before, we needed a she needed a spot to create her jewelry. And I told her I would, you know, share an office space with her. So we found this cute little spot um, in a building in downtown Homewood upstairs, and we immediately came up with the name Second Stories. And, or second story because it was on the top floor but that place became a haven for women Suzanne um, has an awesome story herself and has so many connections with women and women started coming to this office space to be prayed over and Shelly Matthews was who's right here I know she wants me to point her out but <laughs> she was very powerful in praying over women too and Kelly Dura but um, women would come there and we had a little white couch and we would pray over women in that office space and um, Shelly actually would lead Al-Anon meetings kind of under the radar there as well and um, that place just became so special and we started just hearing women's stories and stories of redemption and people would come in there really just raw you know they would be out there acting perfect but then come in and just this I'm battling with my marriage or I'm battling with my child or I'm you know just the different things they were battling with and um we got to walk through redemption with these women and um see them come to the other side and see the hard how the hard was working for their better you know for the better in their lives so um Suzanne got pregnant with bonus baby oops and then I was building a house and building an office in our home so we had to split up from that space but second story just really we all had that just still in our hearts and didn't know how that was going to continue but in January of 2016 I was asleep one night and woke up with a vision of a book and I knew exactly what it was supposed to look like um, I knew it was going to be a photo of a woman here and a and there's a short snippet of their story here I knew exactly what it would look like. I was so pumped. And um, I know a lot of y'all probably know Anna Nash with Beacon People. She's um, been one of my business coaches slash mentor slash friend slash spirit sister for several years. And um called her. She's like, let's rally the troops. Let's get people together. Let's, you know, let's make it happen because that's what she does and so well. So we had lunch and um, I gathered my friends that were photographers and writers and, you know, we gathered and I shared my vision about the book and they were so pumped about it and and then I sent this email and then it was just kind of like I was like waiting and it was waiting and it was crickets you know and then each one of them called me kindly and were like you know I don't think this is the season for me or I, I feel like God is putting this this is yours you know and I'm like but I'm not a writer and I'm, I'm not a photographer and I, I can't do this on my own you know and so I had to sit and I had to wait I had to listen to the Lord, and I had to listen for a long time. That was January, and I walked through months, went into depression, because every morning I wake up with this vision, and I just wanted it to go away, because I didn't know how to make it happen. I couldn't make it happen. And so I would pray and pray for Him to show me, and I know this sounds crazy and kooky, but I would see feathers along my path, and I would see them so often that it just kind of started becoming this thing where I would be like, God... If you want me to continue with these thoughts of this book, I just need a feather, you know. And it's crazy. I would see feathers, actual feathers, you know. And um, I would send them to my friends, and they're like, it's not going away. You know, I, like, literally begged God to make it go away. <laughs> and um, in August, we had a breakthrough. Anna called me and said, hey, my future daughter-in-law, she's supposed to be doing a, her um, capstone project for Moody Bible College through Beth Moore. And it fell through. 
and um, she's a photographer. And the, uh, you know, the, the kicker is it's got to be turned in, in December. <laughs> this is August, <laughs> and um, the end of August. So I was like, let's do it, you know. And I'm like. Beth Moore and I was like totally intimidated like you know <laughs> she's going from Beth Moore to like my project that doesn't exist you know and so uh, uh, we FaceTimed each other and then I flew her on a $40 flight to Nashville and went and picked her up and drove her down her name's Michaela she's this cute 20 I think 22 23 year old um, girl who's beautiful but we had I'd emailed all these women they all were flowing in um they agreed and we set up 36 photo shoots in three days and we literally had one hour slots 30 minutes to shoot 30 minutes to drive to the next and um we packed our lunch and our LaCroix and we we had the best three days um it was so fulfilling going in you know these women had sent us their rough stories I was still working on editing but um and I was actually editing the stories but God had laid it on me that they were supposed to write their stories. So that was a huge load off my shoulders that I wasn't writing their stories. They were supposed to write their stories. So um, I just needed to narrow it down to fit into my layout, into the vision that he'd given me. But um, we would go into these homes, and it was so cool um, just connecting with them, seeing them face-to-face after hearing their stories, and it just confirmed what God had, had planned. And at that point... Um, and then Angie Davis, another friend of mine who's here, uh, she shot some of the other photos. And we had women from, we had a woman in Australia, some in California and Chicago. And we had photographers there just send us their photos. And it was so amazing, y'all. Like, and then I had a proofreader. I didn't put a single dollar into it besides that $40 plane ticket by that point. Everyone offered up their services for this vision. And which was so amazing to me because that was such a fear of mine too, was how am I going to pay for this? You know, I can't pay photographers. I can't pay proofreaders, but everybody's like, I'll do it. You know, I'll do it. And it's such God's provision. Even down to the guy building my website and, or the lady building my website and the guy setting up all my Instagram, um, everything God provided. And it was just amazing because it really became a book about community and how a community came together to create an outlet for women to share their stories. Um, so I just want to um, just tell you that those stories of redemption, you know, their loss, failure, sorrow, but every one of those stories that were shared with us, they all turned to light. So I know that there's probably people here that may be dealing with something that's tough or hard, a marriage, um, you know, in-laws there's just this we live in a a hard world but I just want to give you hope that there is so much light at the end of that just stick with it face your fears um allow God to walk you through the middle of it don't run from it if there's something on your heart you're really wanting to do say God's telling you to write a book or God's telling you to reach out to a friend who maybe you have a maybe you have a hard relationship with somebody and God and you're terrified to to just bring peace to that just make those steps. You know, it's not about doing, but it's allowing God to work through us. Um, be vulnerable. Be accepting when someone does open up to you. Maybe you don't agree with what they walked through or what they're walking through. Accept them for who they are. Love them regardless. Because to me, that's what Jesus would do. He sat with the sinners. 
and he loved them. Um, I love Brene Brown. Um, if y'all are not Brene Brown fans, then I, I highly encourage everyone to read her books, Steering Greatly. And she has a new one that just came out I can't wait to read. But um, she's a big... She really studied shame and vulnerability, and um, she's very wise in that subject, and um, which was my greatest fear. But her quote, vulnerability is not about fear or grief or disappointment. It's the birthplace of everything we are hungry for. So um, just open up to others. Find your safe places and be free. I love Dawn's encouragement to face your fears, to let God walk you through them, because so often if we can just face our anxieties and our fears, then they lose their power over us. I remember Beth Moore sharing in one of her video Bible studies to take your worst nightmare or that worst case scenario that haunts you and go ahead and let yourself play it out in your mind. Usually we don't want to go there, but sometimes it is worth it just to go through step by step and ask yourself, what would I do? What would I feel? And just reminding ourselves that life would go on if it by the grace and the strength of our God and all that he provides for us, he provides everything that we need, we would make it through. And of course, there is power in stories, and that is why we share them. So be sure to check out Dawn's books that she's produced, the Second Stories books. There are two editions, and you can find out more about them and also place an order on the website, which is secondstoriesbook.com, and second is spelled out. If you want to know more about Storytellers Live, be sure to visit our website, storytellerslive.org. And if you go to the show notes, you can get your free PDF scripture card. Thanks for tuning in to Storytellers Live, and we hope you'll join us again soon.